welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 229th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 732nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of September 30th, 2021. I am your host, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred uh, earlier this week with a tweet from the Indiana basketball account. The tweet included a video of Coach Woodson addressing the team at practice. He's captured telling his ball club that they have to do everything with a sense of urgency. According to Coach, he said, when you play with urgency, the game will become easier on game nights. Man, the word urgency is one for all of us Hoosier fans to pay attention to, and we know all about it. We have a sense of urgency in rooting for the Hoosiers to return to their spot at the top of college basketball. Hopefully, this means more than just a a talk at the end of practice. It means that practice is more intense, development is happening every day, and that this team gels faster than expected. We appreciate Coach Coach Woodson's emphasis on urgency. Uh, We all have that sense of urgency so practice has begun. Hoosier hysteria is a couple days away. Let's go. It's time to recapture the glory. Okay, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. Jared will be along a little bit later, uh, but here with me for the duration of t- tonight's show, it's uh, Madeline's lesser half. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, you were the banner moment uh, last week. Didn't know if you had a chance to listen. Uh, congratulations in person, uh, and I'm really happy that you didn't interrupt yourself uh, when you got down on on one knee uh, uh, on engagement night. But what are you thinking about now that you're back in the states and uh, Hoosier hysteria is is just a couple days away? Well, I know I'm not the stats guy on the show, and I know our fans are, are big fans of stats, but just for the record, I'm one for one on marriage proposals. That's 100%. Even I know that. Uh, in my life, one for one. Hopefully, that'll do it for me. But uh, I want to thank everybody. Uh, a lot of our followers uh, reached out and congratulated us. Uh, my now fiance, Madeline, has been a big uh, topic on the show over the years and we are engaged and couldn't be happier and uh so just thanks to everybody who reached out obviously my partners on the show uh here were incredibly gracious and they all knew it was going to happen and that it was going down and were able to keep the secret which i appreciate because madeline had no idea it was coming um so i i just want to thank everybody who reached out and and congratulated us uh it means a lot you guys are a big part of what we do here but also you know you affect us in our in our daily lives too and our interactions with you so uh just know that it's appreciated um as far as indiana basketball guys i've been in italy for two weeks i haven't paid attention to anything i'm sorry i'm coming in cold uh but i do i do want to promote tamar bates's new show with assembly call if you haven't heard it yet the inside scoop started this week 
Um, he's doing exclusive shows for us. And, and if you haven't heard it, if you're just listening to this for the first time, haven't been following on social media, uh, please go and, and listen to that. Tamar is just an excellent kid and he, he's very interesting. And uh, we're really hoping it's been something we've kind of we've known about for a while and we've been keeping the wraps on it. Uh, until recently and very excited to see what he's going to do with that show, whether it's just us interviewing him or whether he sort of takes over and, and runs with it himself and, and brings in, you know, brings on his own guests or whatever. I, I'm really excited to see where he goes. That is a unique kid. And I think that we talked about when he committed, he just has a personality that's sort of a next level personality. It reminds me almost I, I mentioned him a lot. It reminds me of Victor Oladipo, just a charismatic leader type kid at his age, which is very rare. And so I think that series is going to be really, really interesting uh, to follow along with during the season. So I recommend everybody go listen to the first episode. Uh, Jared did it with him. And I'm really interested to see what he does with that moving forward. I can't can't agree more uh, on the Tamar Bates interview. If you haven't had a chance to go go and listen to it, we'll talk a little bit about that maybe coming up here. But uh, here's what else we're going to cover this week in segment one. Uh, we're going to talk about some Hoosier headlines, including a look ahead to Hoosier hysteria. Uh, segment two, uh, media day was held uh, on Monday, and we'll have some reactions to some quotes and comments from media day. And then, of course, we'll answer your questions in segment three. All of that uh, coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. But before we get into that, a few words uh, about this week's sponsor. Ed Fang writes one of the most reliable manuals each year on how to win your March Madness bracket pool. He is also the founder and lead analyst for The Power Rank, which he describes as, quote, sports betting with a Ph.D. edge, end quote. He specializes in football, both college and the NFL, and delivers consistent value to help you with betting, fantasy, daily fantasy, or anything else where having predictive metrics you can trust uh, give you an edge. The best part, Ed's newsletter is free. All you have to do is sign up uh, at thepowerrank.com backslash AC. That's thepowerrank.com backslash AC. We've recommended Ed's site even when he wasn't a paying sponsor, so we appreciate him supporting our work with this sponsorship. Ed is a good, honest guy who does good, reliable work, which isn't something always easy to find in his industry. So sports betting is your thing. Make sure you subscribe to his free newsletter. That is thepowerrank.com backslash AC. Okay. Here's your headlines. Practice has started. It started on Tuesday, uh, six weeks away from the start of the season on November 9th. Uh, and we talked about the sense of urgency. It was a really good quote. Uh, I've listened to it about 75 times uh, already on Twitter. Uh, that's getting good. Getting no Getting notes for, yeah. for your practices. Yeah, coach. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and who's your hysteria? Saturday, four o'clock Eastern time. Uh, you can watch live on uh, Big Ten Network Plus. You do have to have a paid account. Uh, check the schedule out. An early schedule. I don't know if all the television things are out. If you time it right, you might only have to have a month or two uh, of BTN Plus to watch your Hoosiers. Not only at Hoosier Hysteria, but maybe in a couple early games. Uh, they're asking if you are in, in, in attendance or going to be in attendance to donate a canned food item to Hoosier Hills Food Bank. Um, that was a big, big uh, cause every year, and they missed out last season. So we can help mm -hmm. there. If you are going, a mask will be required while you're inside Assembly Hall. Uh, Isaiah Thomas will address the crowd, and we will have a post-Hoosier Hysteria show that will go live immediately after. Uh, I will be in attendance. Uh, I have uh, thanks to Indiana Basketball for granting me some uh, media pass so I can um, – 
avoid the lines and, and, and have a seat. So Attend your favorite event. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my, and I could be there for the dunk competition, which is just my favorite all time. But in the skills competition, uh, it's Rob Finnessy and Mackenzie Holmes and one team, Xavier Johnson and Kanda Brown, uh, Logan Duncombe and Nicole Cardinal Hillary and race Thompson and Chloe Moore McNeil. Uh, those uh, four groups will be competing in the skills competition in the three point comp contest. It's Tamar Bates, Parker Stewart, Miller cop and Anthony Leal. And boy, do we want to see those shots go in the dunk contest? Yep. Um, guessing here a little bit, but trace Jordan, Geronimo Lander and Trey Galloway are thought to be in the dunk contest. Uh, other news, blue ribbons, uh, preseason manual came out it's really good well done uh, they have indiana picked seventh in the big 10 and trace second team all-american if you get a chance to take a look at that and uh, will Sheehy was hired as an assistant uh, video coordinator for uh golden state uh your thoughts a little bit the on videos who- are of will if there are if the videos are of will Sheehy, he'll definitely do a great job yeah no, a- absolutely a- everyone will have his you know arms r- that pump yep. at to purdue he'll end every segment um to w- with that picture but who's your hysteria is coming up uh ryan and well again we do this every year and we probably answer it the same every year but it serves a really good purpose uh over- overall for the program and, and it's a f- first look uh, at coach woodson uh in action yeah, it's it's an advertisement for the program. That's all it is. It's not you're not there's no takeaways from that. We're going to be like, oh, he looked great on the court. I mean, we've seen so many guys look great at Hoosier hysteria and then never play during the season or, you know, you know, Rob Finnessy hit three threes and then, you know, not play well. I'm just using Rob as an example. It's uh, it's not worth breaking down. I remember when I was covering IU uh, for the IDS uh, in in college my senior year and it was Mike Davis's last year, but at after Hoosier hysteria or whatever we called it back then, I don't even remember. Uh, we went into the press room and there had been a scrimmage and there was a dunk contest, three point, all that stuff. And then there was a scrimmage and we came in to the press room afterwards. And and one of my colleagues asked him, so what, what are the big takeaways from this tonight? And Mike Davis just looked him straight and I said, nothing, nothing. He's like, it was just guys clowning. You know, it's a, basically a pickup game and some stuff for fun. And that's all it is. And I think coaches are almost annoyed by it sometimes. I think they enjoy the, you know, that the kids get to kind of have the pageantry. But I, I think for the most part, they'd rather have a real practice. And and that's the sense I've gotten from every coach I've ever talked to about events like this is I'd rather actually be working on stuff. Yeah. And I think this one's important because it's Mike Woodson's first. It's reintroducing the program. It's a new phase of the program. And so it's again, it acts as an advertisement for the program, both for the fans you know, is this going to be fun? And for, you know, recruits and and everybody else just kind of reintroducing the program because it's a new coach. Now, by year three of the Woodson regime, this may not be as big a deal. I mean, it is what it is every year, but it just serves as a way to get people excited that the season's coming up. There are no takeaways. I know we're going to do a post-game show uh, from it, but, you know, the takeaways will be, minimal at best it'll just be reviewing what happened and and having fun so um it'll be a fun show to do because there aren't you know it's not high stakes but at the same time uh don't look for anything that you can take away from from hoosier hysteria in in a macro sense about where things are going to be with this team 
you're, you're absolutely right about coaching. You'd rather have uh, practice, but you also know the value if you have recruits in the building or even if they're watching or just the, the media coverage of it is to sell that program. But I've come around. Uh, I still don't like it because of that aspect. As a coach, I'd rather see practice. But the one big thing is it gives some uh, fans an opportunity. If they can't afford to buy a ticket or have season tickets, uh, can't get the mini package uh, type of deal, uh, for uh, a lot of people to get inside Assembly Hall and see their Hoosiers uh, in, in a uh, practice situation or a Hoosier hysteria situation, I, I think that's uh, that's very, very important for continuing to build that fan base. And, and, and I believe, Ryan, that that's a part of this – uh, hiring Coach Woodson and getting back to Indiana's roots. Yes, it has to be done on the basketball court, but it's also about bringing uh, Coach Woodson back with that history and and tying everything together and getting former players back. All of that has been a big part, and Hoosier hysteria is always a part of, of having the f- fans be a part, get some autographs. Uh, it, it's, it's a really important uh, piece, I think, uh, despite my, my desire to practice. Yeah, it is what it is. It's it's a, it's a fun night. That's all it's supposed to be. And uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas will be there giving a speech, and I'm sure he'll be pumping up his buddy Woody. Um, but you know, it, it's the, way more is going to happen the next day at practice that's consequential for the season uh, than than at Hoosier hysteria. And the the only thing I'll say about Blue Ribbon, we we get several copies for our Delphi Bracketology kids so that we can look through uh, any preseason magazine. Uh, don't get too worked up about where Indiana is. Uh, Indiana is getting some respect from fellow coaches. Last week we talked about ESPN. They're in the top half. Um, you know, uh, if if you're predicted to be seventh and you go up into the third or fourth in the Big Ten, then it's, it seems like uh, you had a really good year. Play will start and determine where this Indiana program goes. So don't get uh, too worked up. Uh, I, I think a seventh place finish there's in the Big Ten many, is going to get in a tournament and have a chance to make. A there's run. too many new player. There's too many new players and guys who will play differently under this coach to know anything about right. Indiana until they hit the floor. I mean, it's just it's such a you can't do it based on. And basically, a lot of these previews are who's coming back. Yep. And then extrapolating what you, but who's coming back is irrelevant under a new system and a new coach, and especially a radically different system. And even newcomers, so, it's hard to predict. Uh, Kentucky's had some completely great recruiting hard. In a new situation and falling apart. So, yeah, it's 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 really it's hard to do that. Now, look, a team like let's say Purdue or Michigan State or, or whoever who's bringing people back and you know who's going to be there and they're in the same system and all of that, you can project, okay, these guys are going to get better. They're going to do this. But Indiana's in completely uncharted territory. And I would have said this when Archie Miller took over too. It was just – it's so different that it's hard to to really predict. So when you see these predictions, you say, oh, projected for 10th in the Big Ten. Well, I mean, that means absolutely nothing. As we've seen in college football – preseason rankings mean absolutely nothing. So, uh, you know, I would just, I mean, you take these with a grain of salt. I would say, I would say absorb the analysis. If there's an, you know, analysis of Indiana written there, but as far as the preseason ranking, where they are, whatever, nobody knows. They're all just guessing. And, And I've said this to a lot of people who've asked, I did get to see the tapes in the Bahamas. I think it's a more enjoyable brand of basketball. Did they make every shot? Did they, you know, they turn the ball over? Did they cover every three-point shooter? No, there's so much that they have to work on. Coach Woodson will admit that. 
but it just looked more collegiate in in the way they were attacking and the way they were flying around on defense. So, regardless, I I, I really believe that we are going to enjoy uh, where this program is headed, and hopefully, we get there faster uh, than than uh, a lot of people think. So. Okay, coming up on uh, Assembly Call Radio, um, we're going to discuss the takeaways uh, from IU Media Day as well as Jared's first interview uh, with Tamar Bates. And uh, if anything we learned, we'll, we'll share it with you. So stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever. Brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, fall style. Wait, wasn't it just June? Right? So I went to Kohl's. Of course you did. I got a cute Kara Santana for Nine West sweater for 25% off and a great pair of Vans. Love Vans. And save 25% on a champion hoodie for my husband. Ooh, sounds cozy. You should go. You'll get 15% off or 15, 20, or even 30% off with a Kohl's card. BRB. Select styles. Offers end September 26th. Champion coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing in here. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three and I never miss an episode of the assembly call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. Welcome back to the assembly call. How do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball? It's crazy during the offseason, and it's about to get even crazier now that the season is here. Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly uh, email newsletter on Sunday mornings. It rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are on the list, and we want you to be on there too. Go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 66866. Okay, I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with uh, Ryan Phillips. Well, we soon joined by Jared Morris uh, here as uh, we got a lot to talk about that happened uh, this week. Uh, one practice has started. Uh, Jared does interview uh, Tamar Bates uh, on the new show from Assembly Call called the inside scoop it was a a, a solid interview Uh, we have some things to talk uh, with Jared when he gets here about that coach Woodson and some players had some media availability uh, and a lot of good stuff coming out Um, and and I'll say that because it is good stuff but every program in America has uh, good stuff to say on their on their opening media day Uh, I rarely see a coach come out and say that we're not going to win and we're awful so um, but there's a lot of good things uh, to talk about, um, and um, coach, just, I don't know, coach uh, Ryan. Overall, you probably you're, you're the shot doctor. Um, overall, thoughts on on 
IU from from what Coach Woodson, how he how he speaks, how he reacts, how he leads. Uh, uh, there's just a way that that he speaks about his guys, calling them the ball club, um, and and it just seems like everything he's touched has turned to gold so far. And and we hope that practice is is doing the same. Uh, any initial takeaways from uh, what was said uh, this week at media? Well, I'll say this about Coach. Coach Woodson seems supremely confident in himself and his ability to coach, his ability to translate what he wants onto the court. Um, just watching that, I felt like we don't have a guy trying to prove himself anymore. I feel like he's proven himself, and, and he feels like he's proven himself, and he doesn't need to constantly sort of you know, do this like, no, no, I'm, I'm really good. I promise kind of thing. And which I felt like happened under the past regime. It was somebody trying to prove themselves and he, he doesn't have that. He, he's done what he's done. He's been, you know, part of success at, at the college level as a player, the pro level uh, as both a player and a coach. I just think that he is confident that if people follow his lead, you know, this seems going to be pretty good. And I think that the players seem confident that that's the fact that's that that's the case too. I will also say it was really heartening to hear that this team really bonded in the Bahamas. And, and, uh, you know, I think it was Miller cop said that I'm, I don't remember. I watched them all, but I can't remember who said that. I thought it was Miller cop talked about that trip being really good for them and, and sort of that they're all friends you know, as a result. And quite frankly, that was the entire point of that trip was just to bond them away from Bloomington and get them on a plane together. And, you know, you act up and you goof on each other, you go, you know, you goof around with each other and all of that stuff. And you get to go and be secluded on this Island and, and, and play together and all that have experience, have an experience that you're not going to get with anybody else to sort of bond you together. And, and so all of that I think was perfectly planned and perfectly timed. And I think that um, they really, you know, I, I think that they're really at a, at a good place right now. Now we'll we'll see what happens when they get on the court, but it just feels like everything's kind of sitting in the right place right now. There, there, yeah, I, I agree. And there's just a way that he addresses his team, you know, and, and he talks to them. Uh, he talked about giving freedom to the point guards uh, to play their game, which is much needed. It's a guards game. You got to create. You got to be able to finish and score at the rim, but you also got to get other players open and go downhill, uh, not just be a post-entry uh, guard. Uh, I think that's important. I, I just – a couple things that I'd like to get your, your thoughts on. He, he said, he said, shit, every time we step on the floor before we break huddle, I tell him, look at those Big Ten banners and look at the titles up on the thing. He really does embrace uh, Indiana and, and what it means to him. And I can't agree with you more that I think this job's not too big for him. And I think the last two guys, the job got too big and the pressure of trying to prove yep. themselves. He knows why he's there and he's there to add those, those banners. Uh, I thought that was a, you know, he goes, there's history here, uh, man. He's quoted as saying, we're not just here to play. To me, it's always been a lot of stake even when I played here. I, I think that, that resonates with players that that gives them a purpose uh, other than just you know their own accolades their own stats and and, and their own desires um that is it's not only good for the players ryan but i also think it's good for us fans to hear those things because that's that's what we talk about when we're yeah. having beers and, and and talking around is is those banners we we love it we miss it it's been it's been too long so a comment like that really grabbed my well, attention uh on media day it, it, and coach for the people who've always wanted an IU guy back, that's why. Right. You know, it's somebody to embrace that history. And and, you know, 
whether I thought that was a great idea or not, you know, like you have to have an IU guy. I mean, I've, I've been open about that. I think, I think you just need a good coach and, mm-hmm. and Woodson may qualify. Um, I, what I think that's interesting about that though, is that those banners and that history can be a burden at times because if True. you're constantly chasing history, you're not looking forward. And I think, but I think that when, and the other thing is those banners in that history, it matters to some players like young recruits or whatever. It doesn't matter to, to most of them. What most of them want is good facilities, coaches they get along with, uh, a good path to the NBA or, or the next level, whatever that may be. And, you know, it, it's sort of things like that to help them fulfill their individual goals. They, sure, they want to compete for a title where they're there, but they've got long-term goals beyond, you know, these top players have long-term goals beyond being at Indiana. They love to, it, you know, take Indiana to those heights, but they also want to know, Am I going to be comfortable while I'm there? Am I going to get along with my coaches? Uh, do I like my teammates? Um, you know, am I going to be better? Am I going to get developed? All of that stuff is probably more important to most kids these days. But when they're on campus, and once you've got them, right, those banners can mean something. And 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 when you're part of the Indiana family, those that that history does mean something. And when, when he points up to those banners in practice and says, "Hey, look at those! You've got a standard to live up to here." chase that standard uh, and that standard that will help you positive. individually if, if yeah, the team and, reaches and, that standard then the glory is going to be passed down you know to to you guys as well and you're going to achieve exactly. your individual stuff no and and i think that that again when you're using that as a motivational technique that's the way those banners can be used positively right when you're using it as well our program's great because we've done this right people are going to refer to the same thing what have you done lately you know you didn't. We haven't won a national championship in 1987. You know, you're, you're staring up at those banners. They're starting to look dusty. You know, and and so I think that that there are positives of that history and negatives of that history. And he seems like he's using it in a in a positive way to motivate them. Like, hey, there's a standard we set here. Go chase that standard. Uh, and and that that to me that was one of the the things that stood out to me is that like if he's using that as a motivational technique to push kids to get to the next level. Uh, that's that's a positive. Here's another quote that that I really like, uh, and, I, and I just find it true. Uh, he says, uh, quote, young players, they truly think they play hard. To me, there's always another level. Then there's a, another level. When you get to that peak, man, when, where you're playing hard all the time, things come easy for you from a basketball standpoint. That's the beauty of coaching in terms of trying to get players at that level uh, because – get them to that level because when you do you win that's normally what happens um again this is really good to talk to your players about too but i think as fans we like we like to hear that right um um, and it is so true ryan young people think they know the definition of playing hard at whatever level you're coaching and they need to be pushed to play even harder and harder. And it, sometimes it gets tougher the more talent you have, too, because players yep. rest on their talent. But you got a guy here who played at a high level. He coached at a high level. And, and th- there's just a little bit of that, uh, okay, we're going to buy into you that we need to play harder. And that was evident, I thought, in, in the tape in the Bahamas. Uh, and, and I like that, that thought. Well, and playing hard can be really fun. Yeah. It really can. If you're all diving on the floor and you're in it together and you're you're dog fighting together, that that's fun. 
you know, I, I mean, I know from my playing days, that was, that was when we were at our best, you know, when we're all in it together, sort of fighting and, and, and clawing and, and, and playing hard. But I will say this, I, everybody, there's nobody who steps on a basketball court who doesn't think they're playing hard and you'll see guys and they'll be walking up and down the court yeah. and you'll be like, what are you doing? That guy in his mind thinks he's playing hard. <laughs> it's just, it, it's one of those things where you have to learn that there are extra levels. You talk to, I think it was, and I tell this story a lot, but Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony, when they went to play in the 2008 Olympics with Kobe Bryant and they saw him work out and they thought they worked out hard and they watched Kobe Bryant work out and they were like, Oh God, like we have a long way to go. And all of those guys wound up becoming better as a result of it because it pushed them to another level. They saw an example of somebody who was actually giving a hundred percent in his workouts. LeBron went on to win titles after that. Dwayne Wade, one another to one more titles after that. And Carmelo, uh, maybe he'll get one this year, but you know, you know, the, the point stands, you know, is they saw somebody, they all thought they did everything they could. And then they saw someone actually doing everything he could. So it, it's not a conscious thing to not play hard. I, 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 in, I mean, there's very rare circumstances where guys dog it on purpose because they have an attitude problem or whatever, but for the most part, everybody thinks they're playing hard. And then they see someone who plays harder and pushes them to that. And that's when they start playing, actually playing hard. And so, you know, guys who come out of high school are definitely not going to play as hard as they can. Guys who are maybe freshmen, not going to play as hard as the older guys. And, and, you know, it just kind of cascades like that. You get the rare guys who come in and give every ounce of energy they have, but that's exceptionally rare for the most part. These guys have to see it and get pushed to it. And it's not, and, and I've seen people, get mad at young guys for not hustling as much as they could. And it's like, they don't know what hustle is. You know, that's why they're not doing it. And and they need to be taught and they need to see an example of it before they can do it. And one of the things we've talked over and over about getting old and staying old. One, one of the things about getting old, even in, in this era of transfers and, and early entrance into the NBA. But if you got a couple guys who know how to work hard and play hard and have learned that lesson, they can pass that on in the locker room. They can pass that on in practice and help the coach uh, elevate the team uh, to playing hard. So, again, those are things that I think that we really, uh, as a fan base, are going to like about Coach Woodson. Uh, the other thing that, that I'll ask you about, too, and I just love this, he goes, I don't promise minutes to anybody. I told them when I took the job, you got to earn it. But, damn it, it's three minutes. If it's three minutes you play, you better make the most of it because I may not come back uh, your way, uh, end quote, of, of Coach Woodson. Uh, we've clamored for years is the bench being used. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people want changes at halftime of, of things. It'll be interesting to see the rotations that Coach Woodson has. And, and, and sometimes those are conversations you have in meetings or practice and maybe don't make that change at halftime. But it just seems like uh, Coach Woodson is a straight shooter uh, with these guys. And I think young players at, at all levels like coaches who are, who are straight with them and, and don't try to Not play Not all games. players. The right players. Okay, like the right that. players. I, I, I will a be lot corrected. of players, there are players who love a coach to blow smoke up the you know what and, right. and tell them they're great and all of that. And uh, I will say that the kind of players that you want and the kind of players that Indiana probably wants uh, to play in the Big Ten, the rough and tumble tough guys that are going to survive playing in that brutal conference, you don't want guys who want smoke blown. You want guys who can handle a hard truth and 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 take that criticism and take themselves to the next level. That's what you want. That's that's what wins. That's what, what wins. 
But there are guys, there are definitely players who want to come into college and be told how great they are <laughs> and True. continue to believe that the entire time they're there. So I would say, uh, yeah, I, I think that 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 the right kind of player will take that criticism and use it to their advantage as opposed to have their heart feelings hurt by it. And it's hard as a coach when, when you have a definitive starting five to, to, to sit there and say, yeah, okay, this week we're going to earn it and, and maybe make a change or whatever. But one of the things I like with this team is depth. And I think players are going to have to earn their minutes by being productive on the floor. And if not, there are guys that are capable – uh, of stepping in and taking spots. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Coach Woodson wants to play 10 guys. I'm not sure there are 10 guys that are capable of starting, uh, but there's seven or eight, in my opinion, that could possibly uh, yep. start. And, and th- <laughs> there's that seven or eight guys who have everyone, right? There's seven or eight guys who have started. I mean, let's be real, in, in college basketball. So uh, one thing I'll say is there's just, there's a lot of experience. I mean, pretty much everybody on the roster has some form of experience has stepped on the floor. Tamar Bates and, and, and Logan Duncan haven't, but you know, all these guys have played in college basketball before it feels like, and, and some of them meaningful minutes. I mean, even Anthony Leal, who barely played for Indiana last year, played some meaningful minutes in games and hit some threes for Indiana. And, you know, may not be to our satisfaction, but he got in games and did some stuff. Uh, Trey Galloway played a lot as a freshman, especially early. And, um, you know, and he's going to probably be down the depth chart a little bit this year. But these guys, these guys have played. You know, Rob Finnessy's played a ton. We don't even know if he's going to start. You know, Xavier yeah. Johnson started in a, in a major conference. Uh, Parker Stewart's played a lot. You know, it's these guys up and down the roster have, have played meaningful, significant minutes in college basketball. And, and he's going to have to be, you know, go through and, and, and figure this out. But I coach, I, I want to mention something before we get out of the segment. And it was uh, what he talked about with Christian Lander. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the more interesting things to me is he said, you know, Christian Lander's really starting to step up after being, you know, I think he said the words behind the eight ball. He was behind the eight ball a little bit. And he's really started to step up and maybe you're finally starting to see that talent move to the forefront. Cause regardless of what you say about Christian Lander, he's talented. That is yep. a talented kid. It's just about putting it together and, and making it work on this level. And that was interesting along with, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, the race Thompson comments, but Christian Lander starting to step up is enormous for Indiana, not just for this year, but for the future. I mean, that that's huge for Indiana moving forward. Um, well, he's going to push so, Rob. Yeah. I mean, right now it's Xavier, Rob, Christian in, in that order, according to the, what happened at the Bahamas. Uh, and, and again, you're going to push a Rob Finnessy to be the best Rob Finnessy. That's just going to raise Indiana. And then it gives some flexibility, too, if you wanted to go a couple ball handlers at a time. If you had Miller Cop got injured in the Bahamas, you were able to, you're able to do a little bit more of that if a Christian Lander can can get some minutes and, and, and be productive. So, and, and it goes back to that previous comment that I'm not promising minutes to anyone. Uh, if you're struggling, you might not play in the Bahamas. But if you come out of the Bahamas and start playing better, then there's always that opportunity. And, and hopefully the, the young guys will see that as an opportunity to not sulk and not pout and not go to your uh, all your buddies and complain about playing time on that. It's just get back in the gym and work really hard. And if you do, uh, when the opportunity presents itself, if you're ready, uh, then that's when your minutes are, are going to increase. But Christian Lander helps this team now. Um if he's better and really down down the line, because you don't know if Xavier and Rob are going to take advantage of that extra year, and then he could be the the lead point guard 
um, in a year. The the comments about race are interesting too. That that you know everyone thought he can't shoot and he can't do this, and 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 Woodson says, "No, nah, I, I believe he can do it. Let's put him in positions to do it." And then Race also commented uh, back where he said, "If you that Coach Woodson told him, if you show me you can do this, then you can do it, and I'll let you do it." And that to me is a, is is really solid. Uh, efforts by Coach Woodson to to pull out from players what they can do, but yet not just let them do everything. I mean, you gotta you gotta have some ability and some skills. So I, I think Race yeah, might be poised to be a little bit more um, productive this year offensively than a lot of people think. More versatile, certainly. Yeah. I, look, the fact that the returning coaches told Woodson that Thompson couldn't shoot, couldn't make plays, and and and. Woodson essentially said, well, it's our job to coach him to do that. Like, you can't just give up. on." And by the way, go back and watch Race Thompson's high school footage. He could handle the ball and he could shoot. He wasn't shooting threes, but he was shooting jump shots. And as a high schooler, you just start extending that range, you know, to the next level. But it's there. It's on film. We talked about it when he committed. You can go back and find his scouting report that I did. Guy could hit jump shots. He could face up and hit jump shots. And the fact that it just went away when he went to college, I do not blame Race Thompson at all. I blame the people who didn't develop him. And and so the fact that Woodson is now saying, oh, yeah, he's doing that stuff. Yeah, I'm good with it because he can do it. He's shown he can do it in the past. So, yeah, let's let's see uh, what he can do. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm expecting Race Thompson at 40% from three, but, I mean, if he could do it occasionally, that really opens the floor well, for Indiana d- to a tremendous degree. Don't you think? I mean, he he's a solid rebounder, solid defender, just an all-out hustle guy that lifts play. That's one of those guys that plays hard all the time. If he, can, if he could drop some threes in and maybe drive to the hoop and do some things on the break, man, man, that that's going to – he's not going to be all Big Ten, top five guys in the Big Ten by any means, but – that just is is more the more weapons you have as a ball club, the you know yep. the the better you're going to be. And, and you know, I, I remember well, he's going, a great he's a great Robin to to TJD's Batman. Absolutely, I mean, it just it fits it fits perfectly when those guys are doing and and he he hustles on a level that other guys in the league don't, and he just makes plays. And if you can do it on both ends of the floor. It it opens up a whole lot for Indiana, and he doesn't. He just has to make enough to be a threat. You, you know, I remember I was covering the Illinois game over in Champaign, and they were sloughing off, which made life difficult on Trace Jackson Davis. And and he, you could tell he just wasn't allowed to shoot that shot. Uh, and, and so basically, he's going unguarded from three. He's got to be enough to be that threat. We've talked about that over and over and over in the offseason. And it seems like Woodson uh, identifies that and is trying to get him. And there was this w- one play. I don't know if it made Twitter or, or you were able to see it, but in the Bahamas where it was one pass catch and there was a guy closing out. He wasn't he wasn't wide open by any means. He was open, but he wasn't wide open, and he took the shot and he buried it. I think it was like the first or second shot of game two. And I, I sat there and said, okay, this is what you need um, from race is is that attitude that uh, if I got it, I'm going to take it, and, and if I bang it, it's going to be good. Um, that was so nice. And, and it just seems he, yeah. he talked about Coach having – he has a lot more confidence in that. And I, I, I know uh, Coach uh, um, uh, Jeff in the um, chat room, um, Marlo, we, we disagree a little bit on this. I think players need to have more confidence and get it from themselves sometime from demonstrated ability. I do think coaches can influence it one way or the other. Um, 
But I do think Coach Woodson's overall attitude does allow kids to play more free, and and it's I don't know that I say think it's confidence as much as hey we're free to try things and do things. Uh, maybe that is the definition of confidence or yeah. or, or, or or not. But um, it, it obviously comes out in in what they're saying uh, in these um, in, in the press uh, event that uh, just the attitude around the program uh, is, is a lot different. Um, so yeah. now. Now joining us here is a pretty good uh, fellow himself, uh, Jared. Uh, welcome to the show, and uh, we'll just give you kudos too for the inside scoop. The interview with Tamar Bates was was absolutely fantastic, and thanks for arranging that and bringing that to to our listeners. Uh, would you like to uh, just share some thoughts about the that process and and that first experience with Tamar? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Excellent. Uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, it's uh, it's such a unique experience to be able to get that kind of direct extended access with a current player. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm just I'm really, really looking forward to what what it evolves into. You know, obviously, it's my job to, you know, to help him get comfortable, you know, and to build a good relationship with him to, you know, to get good conversations. And so hopefully we took, you know, kind of the first step in doing that in that episode. Um, but I'm really looking forward to you know, getting to know him more, getting to know what it's like for him as, you know, kind of a, a highly touted player who, you know, we'll see what his role is and his role may change as we go through the season. You know, he's a freshman, probably going to have some ups and downs. How does he handle that? We've never really been able to get a real up close and personal look at that, you know, where the guy is kind of talking about it and addressing it. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious more than anything else. You know, I'm curious to see where it goes. And, and we've talked about, you know, some cool things. I told him, you know, number one, don't listen to the assembly call after the games. Not that you ever would, but I was like, Hey, you know, if, if, uh, if someone criticizes you on the show, you know, something that you do, I'm going to, I'm going to pull the quote and we'll bring it here and you can respond to him. You know, he's like, all right, I'll do that. So, you know, so it'll be, you know, we'll kind of try and do some fun stuff like that and, and just see where it goes. I, I just I think it'll be a great, a great way for him to build a relationship with the audience for us to get to know him, uh, and above all else, I think, give fans another pathway for building empathy for these guys, you know, to be able to see them and what they do as more than just basketball players. Jared, you wrote down a few things here on the run sheet, uh, but what, what was your uh, favorite response from Tamar or, or what, what was the takeaway that you had in, in what he shared with you during the interview? I think the biggest thing was what a lot of people have said, which was his quote about being a goal hunter, not a goal setter. I thought that was a great answer for a young guy to give. And that kind of shows the the Kobe Bryant uh, impact that, you know, the, the kind of modeling kind of his game and his mentality after Kobe. You can see that a lot there. But that that's a great it's just a great mentality to have. You know, obviously he talked about the team goals first, but, you know, having this idea of, look, goal setting is all well and good, but you got to go out and get them. I thought that was great. And then I thought his comments about Rob Finnessy were really interesting, you know, especially coming on the heels of the interview uh, that I did with Rob, you know, and him basically saying, you know, Rob seems like he's in, you know, a great headspace right now. He's been great offensively. Um, that's all great to hear. And, and that was actually, that was one of my little tiny takeaways from media day. You know, again, you don't want to read too much into stuff, but Rob was up there with, he was up there with Anthony Leal and Parker Stewart, I believe. And there was a question that someone directed to Rob and Anthony, right? They didn't say like, who should go first? It was just, you know, to Rob and Anthony. 
And Rob just immediately jumped in and answered first, like didn't even look at Anthony. It was just kind of like assumed I'm going to I'm going to answer first. Like there was just it was just, it was kind of a subtle leadership thing, right? Like I'm Rob Finnessy. I'm the old guy. I'm in charge. I feel like in the past he would have been more willing to you know kind of look around or be a little bit reticent. And so I think you just you start adding up little pieces that you hear. And it really seems like Rob is embracing the leadership role. And so I think hearing that firsthand from Tamar and, you know, kind of how much he's helped mentor him. I thought that was really encouraging. Yeah, Ryan, and I have been talking a lot about the media day. We were waiting to talk about tomorrow to, to, to you got here. But I, I really enjoyed uh, uh, listening to him. And, and I really loved uh, your question and his response about his, his confidence slash uh, cockiness that uh, – and and then he, he, he went on, so that's part of my game. And then it, then it seemed like he kind of thought about, okay, well, maybe I need to ring that in at times. He, he, he mentioned that where he needs to hold back a, a little bit. But uh, that's that was what I saw in the Bahamas I liked I liked of that, uh, of his game. And it just, I'm going to rise up and shoot and I'm going to score and I'm going to be happy that I scored. Uh, we, we need a little bit of that after, you know, playing – a lot of guys playing without confidence uh, and that, that cockiness. But I, that's the thing that I – there was many things that I enjoyed, but that was the one thing uh, that I enjoyed. Here, here's a guy who's not afraid of the moment. He's going to come in and uh, he's going to play his game, uh, and, uh, and and the work is what builds, you know, gives him that confidence. I love that response, uh, and it yes, just was a really was good, key. confident uh, interview. Uh, and he'll get better in answering and going longer and all those things, but. But, you know, the work gives him that confidence, and, and he's not afraid to show it. And he's also aware that he's got to do it appropriately in the trash-talking game. But um, yeah, that was, but, it was impressive. That's the key. When it comes from your work and from your preparation, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, we need some guys that have a little bit of cockiness, have a little bit of swagger. But it's, it's like your thing, Coach, where you don't want to see fake hustle. Right. You know, like you don't want to see somebody, you know, closing out on a shooter just running into the stands so that it looks good. Well, same thing. You don't want to see someone out there acting cocky or talking trash, but they haven't really put in the work and they're not really producing. You know, when it comes from a genuine place of, look, I have prepared. I'm confident because I know that I've done all of the things to be successful. And if that's part of what gets you going, you know, you do a little bit of John, you do a little bit of talking. That's just what comes out in a competitive situation. I think it's fantastic. And I think we need We've needed some guys that have a little bit more of an edge, and I'm hoping that him and Xavier Johnson and Miller Cop help bring that. But if it comes from a place of preparing and working hard, I have zero and, problem with and it. doing the, doing the right things. Um, you know, sometimes the the wrong guys have confidence and and they have confidence in like turning the ball over and they don't care and do those things. But Tamar's not one of those guys. Yeah, it just was. It was really good. Listen to it on the way to our workout um, Monday morning. Uh, and it really got me fired up to to go in and and, and be around guys uh, in our basketball program. But thanks, uh, Jared. I think that's just gonna gonna be really good. Uh, one of the last things I'll ask here before we move on to section three is the three point guards. Uh, Coach Woodson addressed the the three point guards, uh, and it sounds like he's trying to elevate all of their games and and hold them all accountable. It just comes down to you know there's only so much time. Uh, that uh, at the position at the point guard, um, Ryan, do you, do you think that's just going to be a uh, those guys are only going to play, or do you think that you'll find some time to play a couple of them at a time? And and how do you see that kind of? Um, I know we don't know, but your thoughts on on the three point guards? Well, I think they can all 
play together. Uh, not all, at the, not all three at the same time, but I think that their their games can match up with each other. I mean, Rob can pretty mo- easily move off the ball, and we've seen that before. Um, it, as long as his shot is is a little more consistent, I think he could definitely play off the ball and run off screens. Uh, the question is, you know, how do Lander and and, and Xavier fit together? Uh, we'll see as this gets worked out, as we learn what Xavier's added to his game, what Lander's added to his game. You know, um, a lot of this is a big question mark. We're just guessing, but I, I do think there's room to play all three of them. The question's going to be in what situation, who gets the most playing time, who's the starter, who's the backup, uh, who emerges, like, you know, who start, who really embraces this system and starts to play well in it. Because as we said at the beginning, it's a completely different system. So you can't really judge these guys on the past. They're, they're all in new situations and they're all you know starting over essentially so who gets who who acclimates to it the best so I I do think there's a chance that you could see all these guys play decent minutes I mean I don't think you know I'm not saying all three are gonna play 20 plus minutes but I think you could definitely see them all on the floor Jared you you had a chance to talk to Rob uh, another great interview uh, I know you can't necessarily figure out who's playing what but we have three point guards and they're they're all talented in in different ways um you know do you, do you have a feel or an idea of how that might might work out this year i mean i have a feeling for how it'll start out you know i think xavier's going to be the guy who gets the ball to start he's the most experienced um he's got the most college skins on the wall and, you know, and he was brought here for a reason. So I think he's the guy who's going to kind of come out and be the leader with the ball in his hands. You know, I think I think Rob really seems to, you know, have stepped into this role as kind of like the elder statesman. And I thought Galen's, you know, player comp of, you know, potential Jamal Meeks as a senior right. is a great one for Rob. You know, a, a guy who, you know, maybe some games he only plays 10 minutes. I mean, if Christian Lander comes in and is hot and Tamar's playing well and Xavier's really going, Rob could be the odd man out some games. And there might be other games on the road in a tough environment when everybody's struggling and you need him to play 30 minutes because of his defense and because he's a steady hand and he'll you know make free throws, that kind of thing. And so I think his role can really evolve. I think, you know, Christian is obviously the wild card. And I think a lot of people looked at what happened in the Bahamas and he didn't play very much. And it's like, whoa, this doesn't seem to be going very well. You know, and then I think you listen to him talk at, at media day and he was pretty blunt about it. He was like, you know, my confidence was gone and now I've got my confidence back. And as long as I've got my confidence back and I'm working hard, you know, things will happen. And so, you know, again, he's he's such a young player, you know, still kind of figuring out what his role is. But he's so talented, you know, and, and I think with what Mike Woodson wants to do offensively, I thought it was really telling in that comment that he had about the point guards where it's like, and and he also talked about this a little bit with race Thompson. It's like, I don't want to put people in boxes, you know, and I'm going to let you play free offensively. And so I, you know, I'm really curious to see both Rob and Christian, you know, who, I mean, we've seen Rob who just, again, he talked about having a good relationship with Archie Miller, but it didn't seem like the confidence translated to the court and of course, Christian just looked like a mess for a lot of last season, which was somewhat to be expected because he's a young guy who classified up. But now with a little bit more freedom, you know, are those guys able to kind of find themselves a little bit more um, offensively? Because they've all, I mean, they've all got talent, you know, and, I think, and, and Christian especially, you know, he's, he's a guy I don't think, like if I told you he falls totally out of the rotation, you wouldn't be surprised. 
But if I told you, wow, Christian really developed and into, you know, turned into a 22 minute a game guy, I don't think anybody would be shocked, maybe a little bit surprised based on what we saw last year. But he's got the kind of skills that can really translate into an open floor type game. So I'm going to be fascinated to see, you know, what those guys do. But, you know, Mike Woodson was pretty he was pretty candid, basically saying, like, look, I would love to have a, a Raymond Felton or, you know, I, I don't remember the other guys that he named where it's like just a point guard that you can give the ball to and say, go. He's like, I've got adequate point guards. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so and Jason I, I, Kidd, he mentioned Jason Kidd, yeah, Jason Kidd. And he's right. He has adequate point guards right now. You know, I mean, Xavier Johnson is he's a good penetrator. He's got a high assist rate, but he turns the ball over a lot. And his three point shooting is inconsistent. You know, so all of these guys have things they do and things they don't do. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, so now, so let's see what they do. But I just, I appreciate the fact that it doesn't seem like Mike Woodson's going to waste his time saying anything in a press conference if it's just, if it's not something that he believes, you know? And so I think he's going to be a pretty straight shooter. And that's got to be great for those guys to have in the locker room, you know, because I really feel like players would much rather have a coach who shoots them straight than one who blows smoke up their butt. But also they don't want one that just is constantly negative and grates on their confidence, you know. And so early on, it looks like Mike Woodson, it, 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 and it seems from listening to his past players talk that he kind of strikes that balance. And I think for Rob and Christian especially, that could be really huge for those guys to feel empowered but have boundaries. You know, that's kind of what they need, but to be able to play within that and become their best selves on the court. It just has to – you have to play offense, even if you have some set plays or some actions that you want. You've got to play with some freedom uh, and and let people be creative. It, it is a skilled game, uh, and, and I've learned over and over again that you got to, you got to take your thumb off of it a little bit um, in, in order for, for people to – maximize their ability and it, it sounds like that's the the method right now and again we'll we'll see here who's your hysteria we won't see much but um as the first games start to unfold we'll we'll really be able to to see that uh, coming up but and, uh, and just to be clear just to to respond to certain people in the chat here I'm not predicting Christian Lander is going to play 22 <laughs> minutes. I was just saying that's like that's like the upper end of the ceiling for him if he really develops and everything goes right because of his talent. I think he'll probably be more of a 10 to 12 minute type guy that has a few big games, you know, is kind of non-existent in some others, and then is just you know gives you okay production off the bench in the majority of games. It's a, kind of a transition year for him, but he's got a lot of talent. You know, I mean, yeah. that's what I mean. If if he really flourished. I wouldn't be completely shocked. Very good, especially in a pro in an open pro system, yeah. which fits his skills. I mean, he's still got to be he's right. still got to be able to shoot the ball. I mean, that's that's the big question mark for him. But in in the system that's going to spread it out and move, yeah. that's Christian Lander's. And, place, and that so. goes back to from watching the tape. I think this is going to be a fun brand of basketball, and, and we just need to be patient with it a little bit. Uh, even though we want, want a lot of wins early. Um, it's going to be an enjoyable brand of basketball, uh, in my opinion. So, All right, coming up on the third segment, uh, we'll take a look at some of your questions. Got some really good ones this week. Um, so stick with us here on the Assembly Call. This looks cool. Workouts while you work in. Free trial. Sure, I'll click here. 
My birthday for a matching playlist. That's fun. It's easy to be unsafe online. My mother's maiden name for a water bottle? Sweet! Now it's easy to help protect yourself. Norton 360 with LifeLock gives you device security, a VPN for online privacy, and identity theft protection. All in one. Opt in to cyber safety. Save 25% or more off your first year at norton.com news. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate that, Tim, very much. Uh, appreciate your support. Um, I'm the coach, Brian Tonson, here with Jared Morris and Ryan Phillips, and it's segment three, uh, which uh, can mean only one thing. Subscriber shout out, subscriber shout out. Send it over to you, Jared. Let's uh, do. Let's do a few subscriber shout outs here. This is uh, so we have our email newsletter, which I got to look at the latest count. It's like 8,000 people, something where in there subscribe. And if you share it and if people subscribe to it, then you earn subscriber shout outs. And so we still have some to do. We've had more than we've been able to get to this offseason. Uh, but let's get to a few here. So let's do a shout out to Jeff Knowles. Jeff is from Boston, uh, Massachusetts. He said, tried to talk to Brad. He wasn't taking phone calls at the time. Uh, big smiley face, stoked for Coach Woodson anyways. I agree. His favorite IU player is Victor Oladipo. Uh, his assembly call leader, he says, obviously has to be Jared. Clear emphasis on the obviously there. And then Andy is a close second. Uh, and then he said he has no special acknowledgement, but maybe a quick question for the group. Oh, okay. Quick question for the group. I attended IU from 2007 to 2011. So the question is, was it worse to attend IU from 2007 to 2011 or 2017 to 2021 as an IU basketball fan? Oof, that's Both tough. pretty bad and tough to watch. <laughs> that's tough. Oh I will God. say from 07 to 2011, there was a lot of positivity, though, about the future. Uh, I didn't feel that the last four years. But the answer is, of course, both. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, the first one you got to go through the positivity of Eric Gordon. The second stretch, you at it's least true. had the optimism of Romeo and you the got, you got Eric game. Gordon and DJ DJ White at their peak. Yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm saying 07. I'm gonna go yeah. 07 to, but but then but 2010 2011, you had some of those awful cream, some of those awful early cream years. But, but we kind of look back on those like, fondly because yes. you know. Those kids gave me their heart. They gave me everything they had. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I would I would go. I think it was better to be a fan in those early days. Okay. Well, Jeff, thank you for being a listener. You are awesome. Uh, and let's go with Coach Brian Hall. Brian is from Lafayette, Indiana. His favorite IU player is Calvert Chaney. Uh, his assembly call leader, he says, I have to say the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And not only because his first name is spelled correctly, with an I instead of a Y, but because he is a teacher in Purdue territory like myself, I relate when the... Wait, do we do this one already? I think we I'm might have. deja vu. I think we might have. But it's okay. okay. Shout him out again. 
Shout him out again. Yeah, he says, I relate when the bell rings during the recording of an emergency podcast and coach has to get off and let the kids in the room. Yeah. Uh, I think we Yeah, he's been this. a fan of IU basketball ever since I can remember. Storm the court for Kirk Hastings shot. All right, Brian, you got a bonus shout out, which is awesome. But, you know, when you're an IU fan in Purdue country, you that's right. It. You, you, you know, deserve a lot it. of us. Have, a lot of us have been there. So that's the Rob Finnessy special. You get two shout outs. Um, let, let's do one more here. Uh, here, we'll do uh, Brian Verbal. It's either Verbal or Verbally. I'm not totally sure how to pronounce your name, but it's Brian uh, from Lakewood Ranch, Florida. His favorite IU player of all time is Uwe Constantine Blob. And his assembly call leader says, y'all are awesome. Thanks for what you do. We have a family group text and you give us great material. Very nice. And he says, I love how the IU basketball program has a real vision for its future success. They do. They certainly seem to. Well, thank you for that, Brian. Uh, to Brian, Brian, and to uh, the first one was uh, Jeff, right? You're the one with it. In front of you, <laughs> yeah, the right in front. Of you. I know, man. I got two kids. I got two kids, man. I can't remember anything these days. <laughs> All right, it's time yeah, now for uh, the rest of our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and also join uh, by going to assemblycall.com backslash community. So uh, here we go. Uh, Jeff starts out with: Is it realistic assumption that Woody will go with ten players deep and and continue that? Um, Jared, your thoughts. Uh, does he stay with that all year, or is that going to change at some point? It certainly sounds like he, want to, he wants to. That was kind of a direct quote from him. You know, I've got to have 10 guys who are ready. Uh, and I love that quote, by the way. You know, sorry if you guys already mentioned it, but, you know, basically saying, and when you get your time, you better do something with it. If you get three minutes, you better do something with those three minutes. So I think all coaches – seem to say that and want that yeah. at the beginning of the season and probably will play that way They're early on and through the first injuries. part of big 10 play. Yeah. yeah. But I think ideally when you get into tough games, you probably want seven or eight guys that you really lean on, you know, and then maybe you've got like a Michael Durr who look, if trace can handle 36 minutes against Michigan state, you're going to give him 36 minutes against Michigan state, but maybe Durr comes in for a few minutes here or there. You know, or, you know, a guy like Anthony Leal, if he's not, you know, a, a part of the rotation on a regular basis, if you're down and you need some three point shooting, he's got a role where he can come in and do some things like that. But I think ideally when you get into February and March, you want to have the seven, eight guys that you really, really rely on. And maybe you've whittled that down from the nine or 10 man rotation that you played with in November and December. Yeah, yeah I, I, look. I think I think he of course wants to have ten guys he can rely on. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But yeah, you hear that from coaches every year. I mean, they want to do line changes. They always they want to have a full second unit because, quite frankly, you're seeing a lot of NBA concepts move into college basketball, and one of them is the idea of a second unit in the NBA. Is and when they say a second unit, they literally mean five guys who come in for the other now. It's usually not a line change where it's five for five, but it's usually three. And then they filter in your best players, take a little time out. They filter other guys in and you literally do have 10 guys who can play. And those NBA concepts have moved into college basketball, just like the spread offense and the three point shooting and all of that stuff that has moved in because, hey, it keeps guys fresher. It keeps guys, you know, later in the season, they have their legs. And it also makes it so if there is a catastrophic injury, you've got guys with on-floor experience 
ready to step in instead of somebody who hasn't been playing. So I think a lot of coaches want that. We'll see what how it actually plays out. But he certainly has depth of guys who played college basketball before to do that. We'll just see if they all live up to their potential. This next question I'm going to throw to Ryan because I think, Jared, you've already addressed it uh, about Christian Lander. But I, I think um, Clay has some good points here or questions. What's the future look like for Christian Lander? Does he stay, go, play, sit? Based on the Bahamas, is he buried on the depth chart? Haven't had a chance to get to know him off the court, what his mindset is. Uh, he seems to be a total wild card. Is he? Uh, I know, Jared, you talked about it, Ryan. Um, Christian Lander, what's he got to do to play? And, and is does he is he adequately, accurately described as a wild card? Uh, yes, absolutely. And what he needs to do to play is make plays when he has the ball in his hands and, and you know develop a jumper. That's been his thing for a long time. He needs to do both of those things. But right now, the big concern is make plays. You're going to be in a spread-out offense where your quickness will be a huge asset and your ability to push the pace and push the floor will be a huge asset. you got to do something with it. And and you can't be hesitant or whatever. You, you've got to go. And, and so... That's what I would say. His big, his big thing is he's got to make plays when he has the ball in his hands, whether for himself or for other people. He's also got to defend. You know, we yeah, talked a lot about. I was going to say he's gotta, he has to defend at a. Yeah, I think that goes without saying. Like he could probably defend at a slightly below average level if he's given you some of those things offensively. You know, if you've got Rob and some other, you know, in the right lineups, you could kind of help mask some of his defensive deficiencies if he's getting in the open court, creating shots, has a high assist rate, all of that stuff. But he's going to have to defend much better and more consistently than he did last year. And I would guess the reason he was in the position he was in the Bahamas was more about defense because Coach said he wanted to put defense in first. Um, and, and now maybe uh, that confidence coming back that he mentioned on media day is because he's being able to play the, the whole game. But he, he's going to have to guard uh, in order to play. Hey, uh, one of our best questioners of all time, Elbows In, always has a great question. This one is is pretty good, too. The offseason has been fun. A lot of really good things have seemingly happened. It feels like the general fan optimism and expectations are very high. Top four in the Big Ten, top 20 rankings. Are we being blindly optimistic and setting ourselves up for disappointment? Ryan, I'll, I'll send it to you first. Uh, we kind of hinted upon that a little bit earlier um, when we mentioned the expectations of the football team. Um are are we blindly optimistic? Are we setting ourselves up for disappointment, or or what do you think the general take is of of these expectations? Well, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but I, I do think there's some optimism around the team. But I I'm not gonna know what to think until they hit the floor. I mean, really, I, we don't know what offense Mike Woodson's gonna run. We don't know what the defense is gonna look like. We have bits and pieces from the Bahamas, but they were also playing a professional team, and it was their first time on the floor, and and all this, you know, it's this is all evolving until they hit the floor and we see them in some of those preseason games. We're not going to know how these guys fit together. I mean, we have fits and starts and and a little bit. You're, and as we said, you're not going to learn anything from, uh, from, from Hoosier hysteria or anything like that. So I think that uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I am heartened by the moves made so far, but as far as how that translates to wins on the court this year, I don't know. You know, I mean, I tend to think that they've got a solid roster that some more freedom and openness. And if these guys, you know, move forward uh, in in their ability to shoot and their ability to, to, you know, all their development basically moves forward a little bit. This could be a pretty good team, but we won't know until they hit the floor and we'll get a pretty good sense pretty early on of not necessarily what the record's going to be, 
but of what they are as a team, because we have no idea at this point. So whether you're saying, you know, you're really, you know, optimistic about the results. I mean, you know, if you're sitting here projecting a, a, a top four finish in the big 10 right now, you're guessing you're not, you're not basing that on anything solid, you know, or whether you say, as we said earlier, blue ribbon said, they're going to finish seventh. Well, they're, it's, it's a guess. I mean, we have no, you have no re, nothing to project that on. It, it's just a, you know, a guess. And so, um, Again, until we see them at the floor, we, we will have no idea what they're going to be like. Jared? Yeah, I mean, it, it's like that every offseason, but it's even more so when you have this many new players. New system, new, new players. Yeah. But here's the thing. So look, so the way that this question is framed, right? It feels like general fan optimism and expectations are high. Top four in the Big Ten, top 20 rankings. I think if your expectation for this team is top four in the Big Ten and top 20, then the likelihood is that you'll be disappointed. Because I think what's more likely is that they finish top six, top seven in the Big Ten and probably somewhere as a top 30 to 35 team, right? That seems like the most likely thing. Now, I think that there's, I mean, you've got an All-American in Trace Jackson Davis. You've got a five-star recruit. You've got, you know, some other players who have experience and who have done some things. The raw materials are there for this to potentially be a top four Big Ten team and a top 20 team in the country. But a lot of stuff has to happen to get there, Right. But I think what we have to do is we have to separate expectations from excitement. And I get a little bit frustrated with this on Twitter because I think a lot of fans are really excited about this offseason. You know, and you hear stuff that gets said in media day and you hear stuff that Mike Woodson says and you get excited about it. Right. And you tweet about it. And it's like, wow, this all really sounds good. Yeah. And then you'll get these tweets back where it's like, doesn't mean anything until we see it on the court. It's like, yeah, I know that. Like we understand that it doesn't mean anything until you see it on the court, but you got to let's remember what things felt like last year in the big 10 tournament when the team is getting booed off the court, you know, and what it felt like in the second half of that Michigan state game when they're just collapsing, you know, and, and, and things are just falling apart. And not only are you losing, it doesn't look like anyone's having fun. You're not playing yeah. an entertaining brand of basketball. So what people are excited about is the breath of fresh air and the yep. promise of open offense and the fact that it's, you know, an IU guy and Mike Woodson and the family's coming back together, all of this stuff. So enough with the, you know, let's wait until we see the wins. Like we all get, we've all done this before. We all get that ultimately Mike Woodson's going to have to win. This team's going to have to win, but there are still legit reasons to be excited and optimistic that have nothing to do with being able to give an accurate prediction of how good the team is. Yeah, I, I, I let me let me step in real quick because yep. I, I want to clarify also what I said. Like I don't know what their record's going to be this year, and so people making projections about the record and everything is what I I get the optimism about the program. Like I think that's fair. Being ex excited about the change and the optimism moving forward for the future, totally think that's reasonable. Making predictions about this year, in my opinion, is not just because again, as you said, Jared. We have no idea what, what it's going to look like with so many new players. If it was the same team coming back and a new system, maybe you'd have some idea. But there's so many people who are going to be contributing that are brand well, new. We'd have we an idea if it was the same team and the same system. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. Well, what no, have. I mean, if even with a different system, if, if it was the same players, you could project maybe how yeah. they'd work in an up-tempo system or a different defense. But, like, there's so many new major contributors and a bunch of guys from last year who are contributors who might not be this year. I mean, it's just – it's a it's – a, it's, it's like you took a puzzle and threw it up in the air and you got to start all over again. Um, but 
as far as the optimism about the direction things are going in, totally get the optimism. And, and I don't think it's understated how optimistic people are and excited people are and should be uh, moving forward. I, I fully am on board with that. I just think that any predictions about this season, we have no idea. And anybody making firm predictions about this season, it, you know, it doesn't matter how big of an expert they are. They're guessing. It's a complete guess until they get on the floor and we see how these guys work together. They could be amazing together on the floor, or it could take months for them to figure it out. You know, we don't know. We'll see. I I, I think that the floor is higher and the ceiling's potentially higher. And, and where they fall in between that, um, I, I fully expect this to be a tournament team. Uh, somewhere in the top seven in the Big Ten. That's where I'm setting those expectations without making a prediction. But after watching the tape in in of uh, the Bahamas, I think I'm going to enjoy this team regardless of what their outcomes because it's moving more towards a collegiate basketball that we watch when we watch the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. It's more guard-oriented, open offense. It's, it's going to be more enjoyable, even if it has some growing pains, and I think that's a plus. Um, I think this team will compete more, even in its losses, um, and, and <laughs> I just have that feeling after watching that Bahamas tape. So, great question, Elbows In, and then Elbow in, Elbows In follows it up, even, with a Big Ten question. Um as Big Ten season predictions roll out, publications seemingly have Michigan, Illinois, uh, Purdue, Michigan State top four. What's notable about those teams this year that have them at the top? Um, in general, Jared, why are those – there are three or four teams that are generally at the top of the Big Ten from um, the writers and the people who do make those predictions? Well, uh, Michigan, Illinois, and Purdue have – have the most obvious best players uh, on their rosters and Michigan state has Izzo as their coach and people are going to give Izzo the benefit of the doubt until he retires or just proves that he shouldn't be given the benefit of the doubt. So I think that's why those, you know, four teams are there. Wisconsin lost a lot of people. Iowa lost a lot of people. Um, you know, Maryland doesn't, you know, they're kind of in a transition phase. So some of the other teams that had been up there recently, they just don't have the top end talent. Illinois wouldn't be there, but Kofi Coburn is back. You know, yeah. Michigan, I think, has they've become one of the most consistent teams, and Purdue has a really deep and experienced roster. So, you know, to me, Purdue and Michigan are they're the two safest bets in the conference. Illinois has a pretty high ceiling, you know, because you got Kofi, and if Corbello comes around, and they've got some Crazy. other talent, and Michigan State, I don't really know what to do with Michigan State, but it's Izzo, so I'm totally fine giving him the Bo Ryan benefit of the doubt that he'll find a way to be in the top four. Um, but I think there's two spots there, three and four, that an upstart team like in Indiana, if things go right, they could jump in there. I wouldn't bet on it because I think Indiana has more question marks than those teams. Um, but that, to me, is why. I mean, it's like Ryan said earlier. You're just trying to look at how much do I know about this team? You know, and you look at Illinois and it's like, okay, they they lose Io, but I know what Coburn's going to give me. You know, I think I have a pretty good idea what Corbello is going to give me. So you kind of build around that and then it's easier to fill in the pieces. You know, Michigan State, well, we know what their coach is going to give us. So you're just looking for like, what can you trust? And I think it's fair to say that those are probably the four most trustworthy teams right now um, with Purdue and Michigan, to me, clearly at the top. Yeah, Ryan, Michigan's just yeah. more talented than everybody, quite frankly. 
I think it's a combination of talent and and programs that have been established. The coaches have been there a year or two longer, and and there's going to be some doubt about uh, um, you know some of the programs that lost a lot of players like Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, and then you know Indiana is just maybe they're the wild card as a team too uh, that could really pop if everything goes their way or or they could you know talent wise be six or seven but i, I my answer to that yeah. would, would be talent um and, and, and Jeffrey, again it's just right returning. ohio state yeah and ohio state probably should be in there ohio right. state should probably be right. the fifth the fifth team in there that you kind of trust next question um Lisa says, will we ever know the identity of the two generous donators, uh, donors who enabled IU to buy Archie out? I would love the opportunity to thank them. Um, I don't think that thing, that stuff goes publicly. Um, uh, there will be no public announcement, I would assume, right? Uh, obviously, people know, and that maybe gets nope. out, but never I will come out. I don't. We think still it, don't know who. We still don't know who paid off Samson's buyout. We'll never find out. I mean, there are whispers. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. All right, Lisa. There you go. Um, Tom. <laughs> Tom asked. I noticed Torvik does not project Michael Durr as being among the top players, uh, top ten players in minutes. What are our predictions for his minutes per game, and to what extent do you think his minutes will depend on the status of TJD's jump shot or his own or or his own performance? I guess. Um, Ryan, your thoughts on Michael Durr's contribution as far as minutes played and. What he brings to well, he's the, the IU team. He's got to get healthy before we know anything, and he's a little banged up right now. Um, I just think that having another big guy is big for this team, so you're not basically down to TJD and Logan Duncan in that same spot, really. And I think that's why they went after another big guy. Because uh, Ray Thompson can, can play down there. We've seen it, but your best bet is for Ray to be spreading the floor a little bit and not to be you know, clogging the lane. Um, I, again, I think it's going to depend on health for him. And I think he's a big question mark. People don't know much about him, um, as far as how he's going to fit, what he's going to do because we haven't seen him yet. Uh, so again, with, with him, we're guessing, you know, and, and maybe that's why he doesn't fit into that top 10 minutes uh, list, especially with, you know, a team that's going to be so guard heavy and so wing heavy. Uh, but I do think that if he is healthy, he might be able to provide some some solid bench minutes to get TJD some rest, which he didn't get a lot last year, and it clearly wore on him down the stretch. So you need somebody to spell him in there. And right now it looks like it's Ray Thompson and, and Logan Duncan, as long as he's over his shoulder injury, that are, that are going to be doing that for you. But you'd certainly love to have more of a dedicated post, and, and I think that Durr would be that. Yeah, Durr, Durr brings a, a ability to guard a bigger uh, player um, and keep race at the four. Uh, and he also uh, has some low post scoring game, at least from what I've heard um, as he transferred in. But I, I look eight to 12 minutes, uh, and that depends on foul trouble. Uh, but I think it's a, a piece um, – you, you don't fall off as much uh, with just having race and, and TJD, uh, as you said, by having some other big guys there that can fill in um, in, in minutes when as a- needed. He's a seven footer who can block who can block shots and rebound. You know, something that Indiana doesn't have that pure guy who can do that on the roster. So and he's, yeah. he's from what I've seen, he's decently athletic too. So he can move. Uh it's just a matter of getting him on the floor and seeing how he fits in. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's terrific insurance for foul trouble. Um, as you said, I mean, he does the things that you want to back up big guy in the Big Ten to do. He defends. He blocks shots, and at least last year, you know, he made, made a decent throws. clip of his free throws, yeah, which is good. Now he's a little he's a little turnover happy. 
He's not a real efficient, you know, offensive player. But I think in lineups when he's in there, he's at best your fourth option offensively and probably your fifth option. You know, you're not looking, you're not going to run offense for him. You know, if Trace is out, you know, that means you probably, you know, maybe you've got a Jordan Geronimo in there. You've got a Miller Cop in there. Um, you know, yeah, you're going to be relying who, more on your guards. So yeah, you're not going to run sets through him, but he's a guy who can get a weak side rebound and dunk it or catch a lob or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I, I think there's plenty of opportunities. Yeah. So him. I think there'll be, just like I said with Lander, I mean, I think he's a guy there. I'm sure there will be, there may be some DNPs for him. There could be some games where he plays two or three minutes. But, you know, I, I think back a couple of years ago to the role that that Joey Brunk had. And it's it's apples and oranges because Joey Brunk was a starter and played a lot more minutes. But there were a couple of games there where, you know, Joey Brunk, you know, had a huge impact on winning the game. And I think a backup big guy in the Big Ten, that's what happens, you know, because Trace Jackson Davis gets two fouls in the first three minutes and has to go out. And it's one of those road games at Minnesota where everything's going wrong. And Michael Durr comes in and gives you 16 minutes, eight points, seven boards, two blocks. And we're on the postgame show talking about how important he was. If he can give you like two or three of those in Big Ten play, that helps you turn losses into wins. And so I'm not really as concerned about the number of minutes he plays on a game in, game out basis. More just, is he healthy enough and ready when his number gets called? Because we know in the Big Ten, there's going to be a couple nights when he's going to be needed to be leaned on a little bit more heavily, and he's got to be able to do something with those minutes. He also affords uh, uh, some time to develop Duncan, too, uh, that he's not rushed into something um, that he could put on that weight, and that was mentioned at some time. So the last question uh, for us tonight, guys, comes from Glenn. He, he addressed it to me, but I think it's uh, um, uh, we all can answer. He says, we're hearing a lot about players giving freedom to play their games and not being locked into some cookie-cutter offensive system that play, players must adhere to regardless of what's happening on the court. In fact, one player in media day said they were very few X's and O's. As someone who's never played or coached basketball, I find myself wondering if it would be at all beneficial to have at least a few practice uh, sets available uh, for when things aren't going so well to help get back on track or will the players always be relied upon to know the best decisions to make in pressure situations uh, without the use of memorized plays? The the answer to that, Glenn, is absolutely. There will be some set plays that, that coach uh, puts in for uh, time and score in certain situations and if he always. needs a big shot. Um, he has, if you're an NBA coach, you, you have a book that is stock full of, of set plays uh, to run to get any kind of shot that you want based on any personnel. He will put those in. But I think what you're hearing from Coach Woodson is that ability that guys need to play free. And and even in set plays, guys need to be able to br- what we call break the play if there is an advantage and not just run the play to run the play. And so th- he's trying to establish that mentality first before he goes into putting uh, a lot of set plays. And a lot of set plays will be done per scouting report. So for game one, they'll have maybe uh, a set of plays that they like that will take advantage of the team they're playing with. And two weeks later, there's a whole nother set of, uh, of plays that they're going to have ready if they need them, as well as the free-flowing concepts um, that he has. Uh, Ryan, uh, your thoughts on, on that uh, offensively? They're always going to have things they rely on, you know, if it, whether it's, you know, we used to have one in high school called flat where we set up and everybody set up on the baseline across. It's a pretty basic play. Point guard takes it up, tries to break a guy down, and then everybody bursts into a spot ready to catch and shoot, ready to catch and, you know, in the post or whatever, be available there. Um, 
everybody's got those. And so there will always be a set play if things break down. But I think that more the freedom isn't just like the freedom to run around and do things. It's the freedom of the guard to call his own play and the freedom of the guard to read the defense and say, we need to go into this set right now or what's working, whatever. It's not the freedom to just, I'm going to drive over here and hope that everybody does, you know, call it where everybody should be. So when you hear freedom, it's freedom to work within the system as opposed to looking over, as we saw so much last year, looking directly at the coach and being like, what do I run here? You know, and that slows. Yeah, and then the like offense. this station to station right. offense, run yes. here, move here. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, you know, I'm, I'm assumed because he's been in the NBA, there's going to be concepts where, you know, it's, it's sort of a motion set where you just come up and you have a free flowing, you know, choose your own adventure offense, essentially, where guys, instead of having to be in one spot, they have an option where if the guy overplays, no, you go over here. And that means his teammate reads something and then can pull up and and move or set a screen or whatever. I think that's more what they're talking about here as opposed to just the freedom to do whatever they want. It's, it's freedom to work within the system. Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the term concepts. You know what I think? Yes. You know what general I, I, concepts you work within the structure of. Yeah, and I think the premise of this question may be a little bit off. It, I, I, like I know the players did say there are very few X's and O's, and Mike Woodson has mentioned he just hasn't put in a lot of stuff yet. His focus has been on defense. I think they, he's got offensive stuff that he wants to put in. He just hasn't really done it yet. And so I think we're going to see more of that evolve over time. But he kind of explained his philosophy is we're going to get in, we're going to get our defensive philosophy in, you know, get everybody playing tough defense. And if we have to play on instinct on offense for a little while, we will. We want the players to play open. But I think as he gets to know the players better, he'll kind of meld the concepts that he believes in from the NBA and what his guys can do the best and start to, you know, mix and match those things. And as coach said, you know, tailor it to the opponent that they're playing. So I don't think it's that there are going to be very few X's and O's forever. This isn't just roll the ball out. But I think he right. does want to have, you know, some offensive concepts, but with the freedom for guys to just go play because the best offense happens when guys are free to kind of play to their strengths. And, you know, I felt like at sometimes with Tom Crean, it was almost, I don't know, it was almost like too free in a sense. And then with Archie, it was like everything was like too scripted. And I think if you can find a bit of a happy medium there, you know, between those, Actually, I don't even not, that. Just forget that. Scratch it from the tape. I don't want anything even close to either one of those. Let's just enter the new era and not compare it to the past. One thing, Glenn, you'll didn't see go anywhere after I started saying is it. to watch for um, how he operates out of timeouts. That's when a lot of coaches yeah. who who maybe have a more open system uh, they come out of a timeout. They see an advantage. They want to, or or maybe Trace Jackson Davis hasn't had a shot for three or four minutes. Then you're going to call a play, and a lot of times that that, that happens uh, coming out of a timeout. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Uh, well, that'll do it uh, for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week and uh, maybe Saturday, actually, after a Hoosier hysteria. Until then, take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You might get beat today. 
But each day you got to get better. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. And get some chat mob on chat mob crime happening here in the chat. Man, Joel is in. He's in mid-season form here, going after folks. What's going on? I like a feisty chat. <laughs> yeah, but not in the off season. Here's a. I mean, Glenn, I'll if you're still chat if, if you're still listening, here's here's something we did this uh, this morning in our workouts. We'll do four on three offense uh, with three defenders. Yeah, and we'll have a fourth defender. But we tell them when we design a certain action, and when and your guy catches it, you got to run to the sideline or run to the half court to create an advantage. So our offensive guys know how to break plays. Um, mm. You know, you're coming off of a pin screen, you're catching on the wing and the defender flies through, you've got to attack, and then when help comes, here's where we're cutting and everything so that we don't get so play heavy. Um, and, and we're going to have set plays in, in, in our program, but we teach the, the you know, um, driving kicks and, and all of those kinds of things. But we actually structure the freedom into our drills so that players can get used to um, with, within our system uh, here's where a, a, a free opportunity for you to drive, cut, and and so forth, and and so that's just a mindset early on in practice, especially with the new program that Woodson is doing. That's why you haven't heard a, a lot of X's and O's, but trust me. And then uh, Jared, your your thing about Tom Crean, my son was a manager for Tom Crean. He was responsible for the play sheet. Um, oh, and, and it was a very, very, very in depth uh, front and back typed. Yeah. Um, and he had to type it and print it out and make sure it was two-sided and there were multiple copies. And he said his handwriting laminated was hard to read, laminated. And, 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 so, and that was one of the things he said. There was actually too many, uh, according uh, to my son at one point, uh, for any one game. And then they would change it game by game. Now, you're talking 60, yeah. 70 different sets um, per game. Now, that might just be actions, you know, three different ways to come off a screen and roll or something like that. Um, and, and you're not going to call every one of those, but – um, certain coaches have tons of them ready to go. Um, you know, and, and there was a free coach that you you had to three you shot it too. So there was someone who's a little more up tempo and and free. So it's yeah. always interesting um, what coaches decide to. Coach, do you do. still in your practices? Do, do you guys do three on two, two on one as warm up drill? No, the, we don't. We we um. I love that drill. I, I we used to do that. Drill. We used to do eleven man break all the time. Um, yeah. I don't know if you did eleven man break. We have mm -hmm. um. Phil Martelli, who's up at Michigan, when he was at St. Right. Joe, both the guy I worked for, he was my assistant at the time. We, we went and saw him speak, and he was a big proponent of everything you do in your drills is your defensive scheme and your offensive scheme. Mm, um, makes sense. And, and, and so you're getting offensive reps when you're doing your shooting. So we would design all of our shots. Our two-line shooting would be if we have flare screens in our offense, yeah. you would go – the footwork and everything and the passer would be coming off where he'd pass the flare screen. So it wasn't just, you know, two layup lines and you just get a pass out and you yeah, yeah, yeah. shoot a free throw. So everything we, has a purpose. Everything yeah. has a purpose and we build in conditioning too with you know W drills and all those things. But everything is game specific and, and we've gone to a lot more of that than than some of those old traditional I loved three on two, two on one, man. I was a beast in that drill. I loved it. <laughs> I loved being the one defender. It yeah. was oh man. That was I would just salivate getting the chance to do that. I got I might have a new title. I I can publicly say I don't think too many people who are opponents listen to this, but uh, I, I might be the official defensive coordinator. Uh, coach had a talk wow. with me this morning about being totally in charge really? of the defense and in practice and in games and and stuff like that. So um, 
I, I, I advocated have... for an offensive coordinator position for Indiana basketball a couple of years ago, and nobody listened to me. So it, it really what it is, is is that he can yell at me when we give up 60 points, you know? So yeah. <laughs> that's what all head coaches do, you know? They, they, they there like is that. no excuse for bad defense. <laughs> there we go. So 90% uh, of it is effort. 90% of it is effort. So we got after technique. a little bit this morning when they were just playing open gym. I was, I, I loved being that kind of dude. I, I, I reached my inner Mike Roberts this morning and it was, <laughs> it was really healthy. <laughs> uh, that's good. All right. We're going to be tracking those uh, those Western scores. Now you got the schedule seeing, now, uh, so I, I sent you that screen. Seeing how many points you're giving up and what your uh, yeah, you know, here's the other thing. And points I, per possession is. I tell you what, it's like getting a master's degree with the guy that I work with. He's really he's he's mid thirties and he really studies the game. And every every day it's something new. But he probably gave me the defensive coordinator because Kokomo got a six eleven um, transfer in from Nigeria or something. Our first game of the year. I mean, we don't see that very often. I mean, and this guy's on YouTube dunking and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And nice. So uh, yeah, I probably got that. What's his that eligibility reason. look like for the next level? His, I don't uh, know. I don't know what where he's at. But for our for our level, that's going to be quite a handful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll just oh, have an assembly call show and plan that. I'll, I'll put some game field on and have you guys tell me, you know, <laughs> help me. I might be fired after game one. It's crowdsource suggestions from yeah, the. Uh, yeah, exactly. Hey, help me, man. Look at this guy. He's a beast. Um, so what what kind of defense are you going to run, Coach? You're going to do? Uh, we're mostly some... we're mostly man. We 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 had we had some talent issues a couple years ago, so we played a three two zone. But both of us like man to man. Um, we we have a um. Division one pitcher that's going to Louisville, six seven, uh, kid. Um, we we like to put him on top of a one three one zone when we want to press and trap and get some oh, offense yeah. that way because he, he's Link. he's just absolutely um, hard to 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 toss around a little bit. So again, I don't mean Pick to give Louisville away scouting IU, reports huh? here. West Lafayette's probably listening in right now, um, listening to <laughs> With their new coach. Yeah, who's the new coach at West Lafayette? It's uh, Coach Van Arsdale, who was at Harrison for a long time, his son. Oh, okay. And they were at the tailgate the other day. I went, or they had a tailgate just down from us, and I went and, and visited with them. So, yeah, he's a, he coached at Bloomington South with uh, Holmes for like uh, oh, okay. six or seven years and then spent a year I think at I Carmel. I remember reading about this. Yeah, really good up-and-coming coach. Um, and then Sharon Wilkerson is coaching Logansport, and that's on our I schedule. I that. Really? I yeah. saw that, yeah. Nice. Um all right, season's getting ready to start. Oh, it's great. Let's go. We have six o'clock, six o'clock workouts in Kokomo, so I got I get up at five, get get a cup of coffee at the gas station, and take off about ten after five, and a little forty minute drive in the morning, have an hour work workout, and then head back to school. It's all good, man. It's getting in that gym is That's fun, fun stuff. It is. How's the that dadding going, Jared? It's going great. This is going great. My daughter went to a, she went to the Texas State Fair yesterday, and they have a little haunted house. And she was with her older cousin, who's like a year older, and they wanted to go into the haunted house. So we've been, we've been dealing with a few, a few bad dreams. You, uh, <laughs> you're not a fan yourself, of zombies kid. and all that you, you stuff. Did it to yourself, kid. Well, it's it's really hard because, you know, I'm like obviously the response is okay. You know that stuff isn't real, and she's like, but it is real. They were right there, and it's like. <laughs> 
Well, that is true. Like there was like an actual <laughs> right, you kind of a point. real <laughs> fake zombie there, but it wasn't, you know, like it, it's it's a fake situation. She's like, but it really jumped out at me. I'm like, yes, but you weren't actually in danger. Like it's it's really hard trying to like parse why you shouldn't be afraid of it. Because at the end of the day, in her mind, it was just there and it jumped out at her. Yeah. So it's so, so we've we've had she's many working on the logic. It takes she time. Is. Yeah. She is, and she's she's actually done a pretty good job of kind of trying to logic her way through it. I'm proud of her. She's <laughs> come a long way since. I don't think she would have been able to handle it last year. She's done a pretty good job so far. So yes, these are the things you have to look forward to. We're not we're not gonna have kids. <laughs> I knew that was coming. That's <laughs> just not happening. We got I got four I got two nieces and two nephews in Connecticut that we are just going to pour all of our time into, I think that's the future of that. Um, but you two, you and your wife have to get ready to, you, you've got 18 months to figure out a way to come to the wedding. Jared, oh, we'll be at the wedding. Don't oh, I know. I'm just saying, I'm saying you got, you got a long lead time to, we'll be there. That's what I told uh, Mrs. Tonsoni. I said, that. we are going. And the bottoms yeah. are coming. It's going to be a big reunion. We'll do we'll a podcast be. right after the vows. Yeah, there we got to go post game. It'll be our first <laughs> post wedding show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah, it's gonna be weird. Jeff said I, every person says that until they actually have kids. <laughs> I, I mean, we're both we're both kind of just like not like against it. We're just not. That's not like our focus at all. Jared, could you see us doing this post game show after the wedding? Can you believe Madeline said yes? It, it's unbelievable. We thought for sure. We thought for sure that at some we point she, a she'd come to her senses, and, and but no, she she stayed with it. No, here's here's what I think you guys should do. I think that instead of like after the, I think it should be after the reception at like midnight, setting up somewhere in like a hotel, yeah, hotel lobby. And, we yeah, do a post game of the wedding, like an actual post game of the wedding. Yes. I think oh, that, that, that we could interview sad. your parents. So how yeah. do you oh, yeah. just went down? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, um, <laughs> oh yeah. So, de that definitely has to happen. Um, but yeah, and the weird part is I'm gonna invite all the big lead guys too. So it's gonna be worlds collide. Ooh, worlds collide. Okay. And then I you know, so the thing is it's it's interesting about our world, and, and this was the case for us too for the first couple of years. We all hadn't met each other. Um, yeah. but there are guys I worked with. I've met the guys I currently work with because the company we have took us out to Chicago, to New York a couple times to meet and brainstorm and stuff like that. But there are guys I worked with for three years with the big lead before we were sold to our current company who are no longer with the team that I never met in person. You know, and I worked with them every day for three years and never met them because our world is mm. very weird now. Uh, yeah. And so I'm going to invite them to the wedding without having ever met them in person. You know, I mean, we've, video chatted and facetimed and that's going to become more and more common though oh absolutely and it will and the funny thing is there's so many guys that i have worked with who have never all met each other and yeah. so our wedding if they can make it would be the first time a lot of those guys who were very close you know because we worked so closely together and still keep in touch all the time have ever met you know so yeah. i think I, we're kind of like i would love to use the wedding is a chance for a, a you know sort of some reunions there uh, that may never happen otherwise. You know, I think that would mm -hmm. be really cool. Is there going to be tiramisu so. there? 
I don't think so, coach. Um, but if you're around for like a few days, okay. either side of the wedding, right, my maybe. mom will certainly make you some. Sweet. It, that is on my bucket couple, list right there. Yeah. So Getting some of your I, mom's that, tiramisu. That will definitely happen. If you can be there for a couple days, uh, oh, mom will make you done. tiramisu. Yeah. I'll make that happen. I know, mm -hmm. I know the lady and I can convince her to do so. <laughs> I just want to go over and hang out with your mom while she cooks and then just taste test everything all day. Yeah, that works. Yeah. We'll have dinner at the house one night. You know, a bottle of wine, some good conversation, and just be in, that a, be awesome. in a place well, where your mom cooks, you know? I've been advocating for an assembly call meetup out in San Diego. Why not? Uh, an off-season meetup? Why, why not? Like, what, what do we got to lose? They need to schedule another game out there. Yeah, there you go. Play on the, the deck of a carrier or something. Yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, going after. Off-season show, assembly call cooking with Diane Phillips. There you go. That's true. Guest. Should be really good. It would be really good. That'd be good. Um, <laughs> all right, all right well, I look forward to that. We'll be ready. It, it gives me something to definitely keep trying to teach and make some money. Joel's over here saying he's waiting for his invitation because I guess you want Joel there just ripping on all your guests and telling them why they're wrong and calling. Hey, Ryan, your tux looks awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'd be he going up to the wedding officiant, you know, talking about how much more he knows about being a wedding officiant <laughs> than that guy because he was an official, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh. All right. I got to go. Okay. Uh, we got to go too. You're the kind of person who makes a difference at work. So why not work on something that makes a difference? At Zooks, we're looking for collaborative, inquisitive people who can help us achieve our mission. Safer, cleaner, more enjoyable mobility for everyone. Come build the future at Zooks. Find out more at zoox.com slash careers. Here's to getting back together, to planned lunches and unplanned cookouts, to grandma's recipes and smells that take us back, to passing down plates and traditions. Here's to warm embraces and familiar faces, to your best friends becoming best friends, to scheming, dreaming, and food still steaming. Here's to laughter and love, to growing closer than ever, for all of life's get-togethers. Chinette, here's to us.